and welcome back to your weekly witch fix and today we're going to be looking at Village Witch by Cassandra Latham Jones. Now this book was published by Mandrake of Oxford and according to the title page it was first published by Troy Books in 2011 and then a new impression was done in 2016. I think the copy I have is the 2016 copy because I did buy it new last year and the 2016 copy might be a bit different because I think it includes new photographs and also there's some forwards and afterwards which are tacked on which seem to have been written more recently than the book itself. I bought my copy from the Boscastle Museum of Witchcraft and Magic which is absolutely fabulous I encourage everyone to go if you're in the UK or near Cornwall at any point. Uh, they have a lots of wonderful displays of different artifacts to do with magic. It's really informative. It's absolutely a wonderful place to visit. And the shop that is on the side of the museum also sells quite a lot of interesting charms. Iron knives that have been forged and you can buy silver pentacles, statuary and a lot of very interesting books. I actually didn't buy this at the museum physically. When we visited the museum I actually had really bad hay fever that day so the kind of dusty incensey atmosphere of the museum must have done me no favours because I was absolutely sneezing my head off by the time it came to go through the shop. So when we got back to our holiday cottage I went online and they do in fact have a website where you can order all of the things that you see in their shop including all the books and sort of pamphlets that they do. So I placed an order for this, um, a book about Cecil Williamson who founded the museum and uh, also some CDs of chanting which are really nice and I have those saved on my computer for when I'm feeling stressed. I did a quick check of their website before starting this review and it looks like you can't buy this book from them anymore. Um, maybe they had a finite number of copies or maybe they've just sort of changed their stock over on the website so that they are offering different things all the time. You can however buy it where else on Amazon. It's about £13. I think I paid probably about that for mine, maybe a little bit cheaper. Um, but those are used copies. I don't think you can buy new copies through there. You can probably also get it on eBay or anywhere else that you would find good quality secondhand books. So The Village Witch is written by Cassandra Latham Jones and it's a true life account of her life as a village wise woman in West Cornwall where she came to live. And it's quite interesting. It's not very long, I have to say. It is only 212 pages. What's packed into those pages is her entire life in the craft. So things do get kind of flipped over a little bit quickly. I'll give a content warning now because at the start of the book, uh, Cassandra does describe her early life, her adoptive parents and the abuse that she suffered in their home. It's not particularly graphic abuse it acknowledges that it happened and it doesn't really go into details as to what it was but it might still upset you if that's the sort of thing that you would be triggered by so I'll mention that uh, if you didn't want to read that it is mostly confined to the first chapter of the book so you could just get the book and skim over that but um, there might be a couple of mentions that are sprinkled throughout as she refers back to it. She was also sectioned in the book and that's sort of described and that might upset you obviously if you've been through a similar situation but again it's not particularly um, sensationally described it's just stated that it happened. I really liked this book and I found it very inspiring because of the kind of magic that Cassandra practices which is uh, a mixture of kind of old-fashioned wise craft and traditional magic and old wives tales and folklore of Cornwall. 
And that's very interesting to me because it kind of matches the kind of organic approach that I have to my own magic and sort of adopting new uh, elements from traditional areas where I live. I found the actual writing of the book refreshingly practical and down to earth. It's written in a way that anyone might write their memoirs. It isn't spiced up or made witchy or ethereal. These things are stated as fact. Cassandra is just refreshingly direct throughout the whole book and very, uh, and it feels like she's talking personally to you. Like you've sort of sat down next to her at a bus stop and got chatting and then she's telling you her life story. And it is quite interesting and it feels very personal and like you've been taken into a confidence which is a nice way to feel when you're reading a book. There's also a fair bit in the book aside from Cassandra's sort of early life, how she came to practice witchcraft and how her practice works today or at least to date of the book being written. There's also a bit about St Burian which is the village where she lives. There's also bits about her travels to meet other practitioners of folk magic in uh, America, in Africa and in France. So that is also quite interesting although it isn't really covered in a huge amount of detail. I think there's about sort of six pages but it is very interesting to sort of read about and gives you ideas of other people you might want to research and some of them I think have written books so that's other things that you could go on to read afterwards. I have very few quibbles with how the book is written. Uh, there is an overuse of exclamation marks. You'll probably find two on every page, but I think they've just been used in a kind of way of when people say things like, and that was that, and they've put an exclamation mark on the end. It's not that distracting. And to be fair, it didn't really spoil the book for me at all. There are only six chapters in the book and they are quite long because of that. I think breaking it up more would have made it easier to read and a bit more, um, it would have introduced some more natural stopping points. I found that I was picking up and putting down the book in the middle of chapters and it was quite difficult to get back into just picking up and finding yourself in the middle of one. Having said that, you could read the whole thing in about an hour if you were really motivated. I just sort of read it again yesterday and picked it up and put it down at various points. The photographs in the book are black and white and they're not on glossy paper, they're on just regular book paper. And most of them are fine um, and very clear of what they are, but a few of them are a little bit more shadowy and muddled, so um, you won't get a lot out of them. But I think they're in the minority. The rest are very interesting pictures and they are kind of pictures of what it looks like to practice magic as opposed to what it looks like on Instagram where people have staged pictures with all their crystals out and they're wearing their jewellery and their nail polish and all the rest of it. It is very traditional, it is very kind of realistic. As well as the life history in the book, there's also towards the end a catalogue of lore, a kind of list of charms and spells, but those are identical to the ones in the Cecil Williamson book that I bought previously, so it sort of looks like they've been kind of copied across, which is no bad thing if you only owned this book or if you only owned the other book, obviously it would be a lot more interesting to you, but obviously I now owned two copies of this particular catalogue. Also, there's some sort of strange things that are listed, which obviously Cassandra didn't write herself. Uh, but there are some things that don't really give you a lot of a clue of why you would need to do some of them. Uh, for instance, you're told for charm water to gather nine quartz stones from a running stream, taking care not to disturb the free flow of water and then to collect the water and make the stones red hot and drop them into the water. Then it just says bottle and use whenever necessary. Thanks. Like, 
what do I use that for? Why would I need to make it? Having gone to that much effort, I'd like to know what it's actually for. Aside from that, there are also quotes from other books and some other works. She's also rewritten the Charge of the Goddess into the Charge of the Dark Goddess to acknowledge the sort of darker side that sometimes people in modern Wicca don't really like to acknowledge. And I find that really interesting if you're looking for like an alternative chance. Obviously, that's nice to have. Much of the book is given over to anecdotal evidence of her wise woman workings and how she came to be living in her cottage in St Burian. Those parts are very interesting. I enjoyed reading about how she makes different charms for people and the kind of intuitive way in which she works. She gives a lot of explanations as to how she comes up with things. She likes to research around the topic, look at different rites from different cultures. But she also seems to be very aware of the temptation to culturally appropriate which is something that I have a problem with a lot of pagan books that tend to do that. I'm currently reading The Solitary Book of Shadows from Silver Ravenwolf and I'm having a few issues with cultural appropriation in that which will come up in the review of that when I get around to doing it uh, but I find it very interesting the way Cassandra kind of tackles these things and the very pragmatic way she addresses issues within the pagan community. And to that end, I'd like to read you a little extract. This one comes from page 141 and it details her arrangements with a lady called Marilyn, who is a Native American practitioner of folk magic. months arrangements were made for Marilyn to visit me in Cornwall. I had no idea what to expect as I had quite deliberately declined to get swept up in the fashion of Native American spirituality. I felt that the tribes of the Americas had suffered enough without Western culture purloining their sacred rites and rituals. I know that's a rather contentious stance but that was my personal choice on the matter and I certainly don't condemn sincere people who sensitively utilise those themes in their work. It's not their fault that there are a lot of rip-off merchants out there in the realm of spirituality. However, my bottom line is, it's okay to share someone's hearth fire for a while, but it is far better to find your own hearth. In other words, look back into your own tradition where possible, rather than taking others' traditions. So, off my soapbox and on with the story. I find that really interesting to read because, obviously, there is a lot of, sort of Native American things that have been purloined and put into modern craft practice a lot of people talk about totem animals a lot of people obviously we use sage to cleanse things sage is kind of a bad example because i think that's culturally quite diverse in where it comes from but there's been a sort of a rise in using dream catchers and eagle feather fans for smudging and there's a particular shop that i go past every time i visit glastonbury which only sells Native American things. They've got lots of pictures of wolves, all these sort of turquoise encrusted silver pipes and things that they sell. And I just find it a bit weird because Glastonbury, obviously being in England, there have never been Native American people here because they're Native Americans. And obviously the British aren't exactly innocent in the complete 
decimation of their culture. So I just find it very weird. Um, I do think that if you are sincerely interested in someone else's culture and someone else's practices, then obviously it's reasonable to adapt some of that. For instance, I mean, I'm not Norse, but I do use runes in my magic and I've sort of looked at the meanings of runes and I've used them. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to kind of wholesale start using only Norse things in my magic because that's not a culture that I'm part of and it's the same that I wouldn't use holy hoodoo or voodoo magic and I wouldn't do other things that are solely the province of one specific group and they have the deepest understanding of them and the deeper rights to it. So I thought that was nice that she'd addressed that in her book actually because she was mentioning meeting someone who was actually involved in that. Cassandra also has some very interesting views on correspondences and how that information is taken from books. So I'd just like to read you an extract from page 86. There are many books available nowadays containing correspondences, usually as appendices. Correspondences are lists of different objects and concepts which have particular qualities or virtues associated with them. Books on symbolism are also useful and an ephemeris, table of planetary movements, is needed to know what influences are happening in the heavens. It is well to remember that, apart from the ephemeris, these books are written from the author's point of view, as indeed is the book. Therefore, it is better to find out by trial and observation what works for you. There are many in the pagan world who insist on maintaining certain traditions and for whom tradition itself is all important. Tradition, as far as I'm concerned, represents something that a body of people have found to be effective. This does not mean that tradition therefore has to become dogma. I went so far as to look up tradition in the dictionary and found that there was an emphasis on tradition being passed down from person to person, usually orally, as opposed to being written down. The problem with writing things down is that you run the risk of it becoming some sort of holy writ where nothing can be altered. This is where fundamentalism can creep in, where people attach far more importance to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of it. In my opinion, tradition needs to be living, vibrant and ever-evolving. You may, through experimentation, find that some approaches work differently for you. This is what you work with, that which works for you no matter what others may say. All anyone can do is offer guidelines. Listen to your own resonance. I find this quite interesting because although Cassandra was initiated and then went on to lead her own coven for about 10 years, I think it says in the book, uh, she later becomes solitary. And I think it's refreshing to have this kind of attitude from someone who has worked in a coven environment and as a solitary. I myself am a solitary and that's mostly due to the fact that I got into Wicca quite young and wasn't able to explore it with other people because of sort of safety concerns of my parents but also because there aren't really any covens in my area and I've moved around to different parts of the country for university and so on but I've never found a group either that or a group that had people my age or that was in the kind of tradition that I wanted to learn in. They were mostly, for the most part, I think, Gardnerian and that isn't something that I've ever been very interested in pursuing. I think it's interesting because a lot of people will tell you and have told me online that unless you've been initiated, you don't know the full scope of Wicca and you don't know the full scope of witchcraft. There's been people who've told me that I can't possibly speak to the gods because I haven't been introduced in a proper coven setting. And personally, I think that's bullshit. And I think what Cassandra says in her book is very important because it says basically to do what works for you and to experiment. And you do that by, I mean, I'm taking from my own experience here, but I've gone out and I've 
walked in nature and I've made contact with those energies and I've done various different rituals, spoken to various different pantheons and you kind of get a feel for what works to you and you open yourself up to being taught straight from the horse's mouth as it were and I think that's very important because one of the things that draws people to Wicca and to paganism is that there is no intermediary of the priesthood you don't have to go to a church so that the one person who can speak Latin can read to you from the Bible it's something about making personal contact with the divine and learning directly from them the mysteries of the universe if you like and I like Cassandra's approach because she writes practically, but also it encompasses these massive concepts, which I think a lot of writers would struggle with, but she deals with in very practical and down to earth terms. I wholeheartedly recommend this book. Like I said, it is a little bit short. It does move quite quickly over some things. Not all of it will be of interest to you because, like I said, some parts of it deal with the history of her village or the history of various different kinds of practices but overall it is a very interesting and very rewarding experience it's a time now where we don't all have access to elders in the pagan tradition because a lot of people who kind of took up paganism in the 90s left it and they there aren't any or very few elders from that time uh, and it's getting quite difficult to kind of trace our history, if you like, or at least that's how I feel in reading things. A lot of books now are coming out are for beginners and it's easy to forget that there is kind of a lineage going back, especially if you are working as a solitary and especially if, like me, you find that the majority of these books are written by Americans. So it's quite nice to have the story of a woman who is British who found witchcraft and who stayed with it for so many years and who's learned so much and done so much for her community it's really inspiring and very informative as well so i encourage you to go and pick this up from wherever you can find it i will leave you with a further quote from the book which is the charge of the dark goddess which i found really quite inspiring and very interesting listen to the words of the dark mother who was of old called amongst men Hecate, Medusa, Morrigan, Arishkagal, Kali, and by many other names. Whenever you have need of me, once in a month, and better it be when the moon is dark, when you shall assemble in some secret place, and adore the spirit of me who is queen of all witches, there shall you meet, you who are fain to learn all sorcery, yet have not won its deepest secrets. To you I will teach things yet unknown, and as a sign you are truly free, you shall be exposed in your rights, and you shall dance sing feast make music and love all in my praise for mine is the ecstasy of the spirit and mine is challenge upon earth for my law is respect unto all beings feel deep your holy ideal strive ever towards it and let naught persuade you nor turn you aside for mine is the secret door that opens unto the great below and mine is the bitter cup of the wine of death from the cauldron of keridwen which is the black hole of immortality I am the predatory goddess who gives the gift of fear unto the heart of men. Upon earth I give knowledge of forbidden arts eternal, and beyond death I give peace and freedom and reunion with those who have gone before. But I do demand sacrifice, for behold, I am the mother of all dead, and my power is poured out upon the earth. I am the desolation of the green earth, and the dark moon amongst the stars, and the mystery of the deep, and the devourer of the hearts of men. Call unto your soul, Descend and come unto me, for I am the destroyer of nature, who gives rebirth to the universe. 
For in me all things come, and unto me all things must return. And before my face, feared by gods and men, let your innermost divine self be captured in the terror of the infinite. Let my worship be within the heart that surrenders, for behold, all acts of erotic love and lust are my rituals. Therefore, let there be terrifying beauty and awesome strength, power and abandonment, honour and humility, mirth and reverence within thee. And you who think to seek for me, beware, for if that which you seek you discover not within you, you will never achieve it without. For behold, I have stalked you from the beginning, and I am that which is attained at the climax of desire. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and remember you can get in touch with other things you'd like me to review or take a look at and that's through Twitter at witchfix and on Gmail witchfixpodcast at gmail.com and as always I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!